Yeah, Jesus, we just give you the glory. We're so thankful for you. Yeah, we just... Yeah, we just ask that these lives you've given us to live, these minds that you've given us, these hearts and souls would be ministered to by the spirit you've breathed into us this morning. Yeah, we ask that you would uh, establish in our hearts and minds the truth of, of who you are more deeply. We're just so thankful for you. Yeah, we just invite your... Yeah, we just invite your truth to, to reign in this place that our minds and our hearts would come into agreement with, with what's already present in your spirit here today. Yeah. Amen. Yeah. Hmm. Yeah. Well, we're in full tilt Christmas mode in the Olsen house. Thanks to Crispy and Hannah. Because of a exit to New Zealand, we had our first Christmas event yesterday, and I went to the grocery store to get the things, and Lila was up wrapping presents, and yeah, just had that vibe to it that sort of pulled us into all the Christmas pieces, but uh, which was really great. I was really grateful for. But we're sort of in this, you know, we sort of kicked off last week this. Um, kind of like Christmas exploration of Jesus, you know, because there's a lot of, there's a lot of noise around Christmas and, you know, it feels like we are the people who carry the story of Christmas. And if it's going to be present and prevalent and on the surface and real and powerful and meaningful anywhere, it should be here, you know? But we get washed out in Santa Claus and mistletoe and snow, oddly. Right? <laughs> I mean, not for me, but not far from it. <laughs> but, you know, I think, yeah, last week we were talking about this idea of needing a revelation of Jesus in Christmas. You know, what, what does it mean? What is this? What is this in our faith story? What does this moment change? What did it accomplish? Why is it so significant? You know, and we really sort of took last week just to sit in that place and go, Jesus, what's Christmas to you? You know, what's Christmas to the angels? What's Christmas in heaven? What's this mean? What is this? What is the reality of this season? You know, if anyone's going to get a birthday month, let's give it to Jesus. And, and that's what we're in. And so, you know, I think as his people were searching for him in this, opening our hearts to him that we'd be moved again by what Christmas established and what it means. And how we took a bit of time on that last week, but we didn't really get a chance to, to chat about it. So I thought, oh, let's loop back around. It doesn't matter if you weren't here. It won't, won't you know, you can get the pre-work, but it'll be just as valuable this morning. Uh, let's take a minute and jump into little fours and fives. We're, it's going to be super short, so don't know no like eights and tens because you'll just be sitting there not getting to talk to anybody. So fours and fives, like little, like there's a little five, there's a little, there's a little 
closet. There's a little. There's a little. Stay, stay real small in this. And if I, if there's too many, I'm gonna come around and pull people out of groups. Oh yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm exercising the pastoral authority this morning. <laughs> just joking. I'm just joking. I'm just joking. We know how these people go. You know. Hey, let's get in threes, and all of a sudden there's 12 people over here. But um, yeah, and and kids, kids, this will be kids, this will be meaningful for for us too. But let's just share for a minute, like what we can grasp on the edges of what is the significance of Jesus and Christmas. Like, let's just, the pieces that we have, maybe you picked something up in Revelation last week, or maybe you've been thinking about it, or maybe it's just a fresh thought this morning. Oh, my goodness. Um, We were talking in our group a bit about the, the fact that he came, but then letting that lead us to the why that he came, like not just... Uh, focusing, yes, on the fact that he came and how he came and celebrating that, you know, Jesus' birthday, he's here, hallelujah, but then letting that lead us to the to the why that he came is kind of what Curtis was drawing on and mm. ultimately the cross. And um, even though there's Christmas and there's Easter, you know, we focus on different parts of that. It's all wrapped in the same story too, that it's all yeah. connected and so letting the celebration of Jesus and his life and Christmas also just leading us into the gratitude and the thankfulness of why he came and what he ended up doing for us. Um, one of the thoughts that I had was that um, Christmas is a really great reminder to me not only that he came but that there's people who are still searching for something good and a gift and that he didn't just come for my own personal journey but he came so that I had a gift to give as well um and yeah I just kind of felt like you know I look around at Christmas in the wider community these days and it looks very different to how it did when I was younger and I think that's just a reminder that um the world's still looking for the gift but maybe it's decided that some other things are good gifts and not him. And it's our, I guess, opportunity to give a gift that it can't get for itself. Thoughts? Yeah, that's, that's cool. I like those. I like those comments and those reflections. You know, the first thing that you're sort of talking about as was... Um, that there's this gift and it's an opportunity for encouragement and that Christmas is a time of, you know, coming together. And, and when we, when we take that a layer deeper, something wonderful comes in it. And it reminded me of, you know, Christmas Eve growing up. Um, we would, my dad would read the Christmas story from Luke every Christmas Eve. And I don't know, like maybe, you know, I was just thinking about it, reflecting here, that would always give way to this conversation about the year and uh, it was always like this big, teary family DNM with my grandpa there, and my, you know, it was always like something about this story took us to our lives and what we share, what we have, what's been hard, you know. And that was Christmas Eve. I don't know for for whatever reason, but it's, you know, Christmas Eve still is my favorite because it was this moment of coming together and sharing life and sharing encouragement and. You know, and then we got to open a present before we went to bed. But it was like that was the, you know, that was the gift. You know, it's like oh, something in this story opens up life to us and opens us up to one another. And I think that is the gift. I think it is the gift. 
Yeah. Yeah. Well, we're going to keep this going, but we're going to let our most beautiful and gorgeous kids rock off to their... Uh, who, who, who are the superstars who are hanging with the... Ali oh, and James, look out. Is it the dream, the dream team? Okay, I see. I see. All right. All right. Well, we love you, kids. We'll see you soon. You go learn something. <laughs> I feel like... I feel like something's coming into perspective for us, you know? I feel like, I feel like we've just needed to be reminded. You know, we've needed to pull Jesus into focus and be reminded, and I feel like Christmas is a gift. I mean, in my life, Christmas is a gift this year. It's pulling something, and it's, it's not like, oh, right, Jesus. You know, it's not that. It's that, oh, Something's coming in my awareness, in my consciousness, in my, you know, it's, it's, um, it's uh, hard to put to words. <laughs> yeah. And, and, I, and I think it's, I think it's sort of, uh, I, th I think it's sort of supposed to be, you know. I think it's supposed to be a little bit, a little bit of a reach, a little bit of a stretch, a little bit of a mystery, a little bit of a, for those who would come for me, you would discover me, you know, like, and when you think about this story of Christmas, it's wrapped in that, you know, like, I feel like I could have done us a favor and come a little bit more obviously. Do you ever think about that? Like, I mean, I, I know I've said this a lot of times because I really think it, if I was God, I would have come a different way. You know what I mean? Like, you think you got everything at your disposal, how you want to arrive into your creation, right? You know, like, at least let a few fireworks off or, you know, maybe some big, bold, unmistakable noise or, you know, something. I mean, there were some things, I guess, but they were for the, for the few. You know, what if everybody got the shepherd's gig? Maybe that would have been cool. What if everybody got their own private choir of angels to announce the coming of the Messiah? That'd be cool. Maybe, okay, even that. If you can come as a baby, at least give everybody the angels. But there was something in God's story that <clears throat> wasn't, he, he's not fearful of, of people mistaking or missing the truth. He's, he's offering himself to those who will come for him, who will pursue him, who will, turn their heart and look who, will, you know, I think, you know, we are they, but, um, yeah, this morning I want to talk about this, um, this idea that I feel like is in, in intensifying for me, um, around, um, I just wrapped up in the phrase or the phrase that, that I felt like has come to me in pursuing a revelation of Christmas is the King has come. It's a very simple idea. You know that I guess has just kind of been working on me. So I thought, well, let's let's um, let's just sit in that idea. You know that that Christmas is the moment that the King came. You know, and there was a people who were waiting for him. You know, like an oppressed people who were, uh, you know, I'm, I'm gonna go 
into all the history and the details of it, and it might be helpful at a, on, on another occasion to do it, but, you know, a, a people who had believed that someone was coming to save them, someone was coming to set them free, someone was coming to establish a kingdom and write things on behalf of the people of God, that there was a Savior, a Messiah coming. This was built into the story of the people of God, that whilst you've been oppressed, there is a Messiah coming. It had been prophesied. It was believed. They were waiting you know, and um, I think this is where it all starts to fall into the fairy tale category a little bit, and we just kind of tune out. You know, sort of goes, oh yeah, yeah, yeah. <clears throat> but you know, if I think about it, if I if I stop and I think like um, in my own life about a king, you know, it's like uh, I I mean, do you do you relate to, to 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 Jesus as king? Like, is that a relatable idea? If you stop and think about that and go like, whoa, this is the king's birthday. That's what Christmas is. It's like, oh, the king was born and he came. What? But I mean, it's so much greater than that because this was fully God born into humanity with a a mission to bring light and life and extinguish all darkness. We'll look at we'll look at some scriptures that sort of like highlight the immensity or the enormity or the significance of it, but. You know, like, what does it mean to you when you hear, like, the idea of the king has come or Jesus is king? Like, you know, what, what are some of, like, the straight, like, thoughts that go through your mind? Like, what just kind of, like, pings you in that? Came for a reason? Yeah, it's for the change. Came to change stuff? Yeah? Yeah. <laughs> Had a mission? Right. Fades into fairy tale. Yeah. Becomes, like, castles and medieval people mystery. It becomes, like, something, like... Uh, uh, impractical yeah yeah because of because of the world we live in because of the reality the reality we have you know yeah sure yeah untouchable unreachable you're the peasant yeah yeah it becomes an unreachable picture yeah you think of him more as a best friend than a king yeah, I think we all do. But I think we miss something in that too, Keith. Because he, he is our king. Yeah. I'll just flip it. I'll just flip it because I grew up in England. Mm. Right. And I think all the time. Right. Yeah. <laughs> so. Yeah, the, the reflection being that, that um, there is a king who has all authority, that there's nothing that has to be done or achieved to have that. It is what exists and... And there is, um, you know, when your king is someone wonderful, there's something in incredibly uh, reassuring. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, and I think, you know, to to take your point, Curtis, you know, we're people who have, um, we are very accustomed to democratize, democratized society to the to freedom and you know that was that was not democracy necessarily but um freedom was also god's idea you know he was uh he was never a king who demanded allegiance you know and he demonstrated that in his story so if jesus was king what kind of king is he how does he use his authority how does he wield his power what did he demonstrate his rule is like? Who did he spend his time with? What did he use his power and authority to accomplish? 
What are the things he did as he existed in human form in the kingdom in which he ruled physically and presently? How did he respond to those on earth who had authority? Mm-hmm. What, well, you know, I mean, there's this really interesting um, uh, interplay <clears throat> between Jesus and Pilate around Jesus' role as king, you know, and really it's, it's Pilate who calls Jesus out on this. And let's look at that scripture. Oops, just sure to shut that off. I'm going to keep this brief, but in John chapter, I didn't give you verses, sorry. My bad. So you just have to roll with me. Just trust me that I'm, I'm reading actual words. John chapter 18, verse 33 to 37. Yeah, you can throw it up on a phone if you want. We'll trust you not playing video games. Um, yeah, John chapter 18, verse 33 to 37. I'm in Amplified, but... It says, so Pilate went into the Praetorium again and called Jesus and asked him, are you the king of the Jews? Jesus replied, are you saying this on your own initiative or did others tell you about me? Pilate answered, I'm not a Jew, am I? Your own people and their chief priests have handed you over to me. What have you done that's worthy of death? Jesus replied, my kingdom is not of this world, nor does it have its origins in this world. If my kingdom were of this world, My servants would be fighting hard to keep me from being handed over to the Jews. But as it is, my kingdom is not of this world. So Pilate said to him, then you are a king. Jesus answered, you say correctly that I am king. This is why I was born. And for this, I've come into the world to testify to the truth. Everyone who is of the truth, who is a friend of the truth and belongs to the truth, hears and listens carefully to my voice. Yes, this is a, it's a really interesting characterization of Jesus as king. You know, he, he's saying that <clears throat> that which he rules over isn't of this world, that that which he's been given authority over is, isn't from this world, and that, that he doesn't fear what this world can do to him, that he doesn't fear the authorities of this world or even the people who came. He came to offer something to you, rejecting him and handing him over to death. You know, he's saying, uh, if, if I was worried about ruling over this right here, uh, you know, we'd be fighting hard for my release and for my freedom. Yeah, but, so, but he says, but this is what I came into the world for. I was born for this. This is why I came into the world, to be king, to testify to the truth of the kingdom of God and my rule therein. And so it's like, well, so what is Jesus king of then? And where do we become his subjects? You know, if his kingdom isn't of this world, and if he came to establish, if this is the king who's come, where is he ruling? And what does it look like to receive his rule? What does it look like to be his people? What does it look like to honor him as king? You know, he's, you know, we sing these songs, you know, that, that say all oh, glory and honor to, to God, but our hearts, they struggle to receive the reality that we've been given, that we have a king who's worthy of it all. You know, there is one who rules and he doesn't rule in the way man rules. He doesn't, you know, we are used to freedom and our freedom has come from Christ. That was his mission that people would be free from oppression, free from, uh, that we would have free choice, you know, and we have that. Now, what will we use that for? You know, that's a scripture. 
you know, so you're free to do whatever you want. Oh, then should we go on sinning all that much more? He says, no, of course not. When the love of God takes hold in your life, your freedom gets used to honor the reality of Christ. We become subjects to his, his rule in our lives as, as one, you know, and yes, we, we, we do receive Jesus as friend, Keith, without question, we, and we can't lose that. But, you know, some of the principles of reality are held in tension with others. And when I receive Jesus as friend and I refuse him as king, I haven't discovered him. Because there is a safety and protection, a provision and an establishment, uh, uh, a reality that exists in receiving Jesus as king. And what would that look like? You know, it, it would take an enormous amount of trust for me to bequeath my life to another. Like, just picture it, just picture it. Because we talk about this thing, oh, surrender your life to Jesus. You know, it's like, okay, if I'm going to give my life to Curtis and say, Curtis can decide what to do with Brad's life. That's now up to him entirely. Whatever Curtis decides is what will occur in this life. You know, just think about that for a minute. I know this feels weird. I'm not going to do it, so don't worry. <laughs> don't worry. It's, it's, I picked a very unlikely scenario just to, be, just to be sure, but it's like, okay, well, now Curtis gets to di di dictate what occurs in my life, what's good, what's not good, what's valuable, what's safe, what's productive, where I should go, what I should do. It's like, how much trust would I have to have in this relationship to say, do you know what? You're a better place to determine for my life what should be than me. What kind of man would you do that with? Who would you offer that sort of power in your life to? You know, to receive Jesus as king is to understand his goodness, his protection, his provision, his power, his authority, and that the greatest thing that we could do is offer that to him because he is the one we can trust. He has come as our friend without question, and now he desires to rule as our king, that we would be caught up in his kingdom that is not of this world, that we're not waiting to see established in a physical sense that we know occurs. You know, there's this passage in, in 1 Corinthians chapter 12, verse 3 that says, Therefore, I want you to know that no one speaking by the power and influence of the Spirit of God can say, Jesus be cursed. This is, shoot, that's a big statement. This is what he's saying. And no one can say, Jesus is my Lord except by the power and influence of the Holy Spirit. There is some part of us that knows the unseen reality in which Jesus already rules, where he is king. And by the power of his spirit, he testifies, Jesus is Lord. You can't do that. And I cannot do that. But his spirit within us can pull us together and form us as the kingdom of God that we would honor the king that has come, who rules in the kingdom of God, the unseen places, and exists as the greatest power and the greatest authority and the greatest influence. And when we place our life by the Holy Spirit under his rule, our heart testifies. And what does it mean to say Jesus is Lord? To, to say someone is Lord is to offer them power and authority and influence. It says no man can, can, no person under the power of the Spirit can curse Jesus, and no person outside of the Holy Spirit can say Jesus is Lord. You don't have to get there. 
you got to find the place in you that already knows the reality that Jesus is king. Jesus is Lord. I mean, what, what, a, what a powerful idea. And it's like, what a great moment to be reminded that within this Christmas picture that we have a king who came who lived, who exemplified, who demonstrated himself, who showed us in the seen what rules in the unseen. A benevolent God who is acting on behalf of his people in love to bring freedom and life and liberty. This is, this is what occurred. He went, you, my people don't get me. So I've got to go. And, 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 and in, in coming, so much occurred. We know that that's the case. But it's like we are those who have a king who came. And at the heart of Christmas, uh, it, it, in, in my perspective, that there is a celebrating of our king. You know, this is the true king's birthday. You know, we have a king who was waited for for years and years and years. Let's not forget that we are those he came for and that he has come. We serve a king who came. That's the truth. And who rules today? In these unseen places. That's, I mean, I think we may just bark it there. There's, there's a fair bit we could. Yeah. Because I think, you know, honestly, when, when you put this on the table, what, would, what do we want to do but worship? You know, we're going to take a minute to talk about this, but I think, you know, when, 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 we, when we come to see Jesus as king, there's a part of us that just wants to put him in his place. You know, and there's something so powerful in our lives that occurs when we give Jesus his place. You know, yes, we can, we can, we can mistake him as this, personal God who's full of grace and who's so close and who's so compassionate and who's so caring. But you know, when we get so familiar with that, we rob him of his enormity and his power and his influence and his, you know, we ought to make him Lord. We've got to make him king. We've, we've got to cease to be afraid of a powerful God. And, and we can't let that tell a story that says he's far off and he doesn't care and he's distant and he's impersonal. No, that's not your king. That's not your king. But, but we can't let those two ideas compete. It's like we must give him his place as king. You are Lord. And, and what happens within us when we give him that place is we start to recognize what we have. The power, the protection, the provision, the establishment, the rule, that all of this is subject to him. All of a sudden, we start to gain a... He, he was not rattled. He, he stood before Pilate who said, so you a king? Are you the king? You the king of the Jews? Is that who I'm dealing with here? What's going on? He wasn't rattled by that. None of this rattled him because he saw the true authority of heaven over earth. He went, you might be able to take something from me, but you will not rattle the authority of my father. When we receive Jesus as king, we begin to be ruled by a kingdom that is not rattled by what occurs here. We begin to receive the reality that Jesus had that goes, I'm not waiting for this to deliver me. 
I'm not waiting for this to offer me life. I exist. Yeah, and 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 I think like these words are words, you know. And what what First Corinthians says to us is that there's no mind that can come to this. The spirit must accomplish within us that which says Jesus is Lord. I don't want to rule anymore. I want a king. My king has come and he's demonstrated himself. He's shown us who he is. He's lived a life. He's paid a price. I want this life to come under the rule of Christ. And that's, that's a gift. That's a gift of the Spirit to say, Jesus is Lord. And when his people come into unity and come into testimony of that, something powerful happens on earth. You know, Mel, you were talking about the gift of God that we receive. When the people of God receive the kingship of Christ, he cannot help but that be a gift on earth. Light and life flows in the place where the kingdom of God rules. And that's our confession by his Spirit within us. Yeah. All right, let's take 10 minutes, chat about this idea in groups of this idea of the king has come being a central theme to Christmas. What does that mean? What does that look like? What does it change to look at this and go, this is my king's birthday. The king has come and I will not miss celebrating his coming. You know what I mean? What's that change for us as we reflect on Christmas? My king has come. All right, let's jump into some pods. We're going to come back and we're going to respond to this as, as only the Spirit can with worship, with worship. So let's jump into some groups. Yes. Have a 10 minute chat on this. It's just this place that just wants to respond. You know, when, when we hear this idea that Jesus is king, when we find something within us that wants to say amen, that wants to say yes for me, that wants to say, I give you that place, that wants to speak out a word that says, be king here. You know, when we find that welling up within us and, you know, I feel like I can't, I can't say the words, the king has come and not feel something move in me that goes, it's true, it's true, it's true. You know, and, and, and to sit in, in, in our discussion groups and chat about this is a powerful and wonderful thing because it draws our minds into agreement with what our spirit already knows. But the truth of the matter is the response that's required is one of our spirit to his that says, come and rule here. We trust you. We're grateful for you. We acknowledge that you're not just a guy who lived in a fairy tale story, but you are king here and now, that you came, that you're king. We honor you. We give you place. We give you, we give you our, a right view that wells up within us and says, be king here. And I, I, I think there are truths that, that require a response. And the, and the response to this is that we would give him his place that we'd worship him, that we'd draw our lives into the reality that, you know, Kai, he said, oh, I got distracted in your message and I went to, you know, Revelation chapter four. I got I caught in this idea of king and so it's, you know, talking about the, the creatures who are bowing down at the throne of Jesus and the 24 elders on the thrones who are putting their crowns at his feet and the, the bees of the many eyes who are worshiping him, you know, in the unseen realm, in the heavenlies, this is just what's natural. This is what's known. This is what 
what every minute of every day entails. King Jesus, King Jesus, King Jesus. And we are trying to pull ourselves into the unseen reality that says our King has come and he rules and he's not rattled and he's not shaken and he's not concerned. He's on the throne and he's King today. And when we partner with that spirit-filled reality, our lives come into agreement with something we were made for. That's our response this morning. That's our Christmas reminder that we serve a king who came, that Jesus came, that we would know his rule in our lives. And let's give him his place this morning. Let's respond from our spirit to his and say, be king, be king here, Jesus. Be king over this people. Be king over this place. Be king over this life. Come take up your rightful place among us. We are so sorry for the times when we haven't seen you for who you are, but we worship you as a king who has come, that you are present and prevalent and here, and we worship you. We worship you. Amen. Amen.